So I want to start off, Anna, where I want to thank you very much for coming into this segment. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the next 30 minutes where I'm going to understand a little bit more about you as an individual and as a storyteller. Well, thank you for having me, Priya. Yeah. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. So I want to start off, Anna, by asking, uh, everybody starts with life experiences, right? So that's what I want to start off with as well. So given your life experiences, uh, and you're moving from a banker to a storyteller, right? How could other leaders like you discover the power of storytelling better, Rana? Um, I think it's by giving ourselves permission to open up and share. I think as we are, I find like when I was in the corporate scene, we're much more guarded as to what aspect of ourselves we reveal. Um, I, and I noticed that when I worked in Singapore, that was much more pronounced versus when I was working, say, in the Philippines. Because in the Philippines, it's our culture to chit-chat and tell something about ourselves. But I noticed in Singapore, when I was working, it was much more formal. We only talk about work. We don't talk about, we talk about work, we talk about people at work, about work, but nothing about our personal lives or our interests, the, the things that matter. We can talk about which school we went to and who we know, but that's about it, like the things that you can see in your CV. Yeah. Um, and I think what we don't realize is the value of when we share something about ourselves to each other, not necessarily private stuff, just something a bit more personal that you don't see past, you don't see in your CV. That's when we make connections, like such as, for example, stories behind your name. I mean, it's personal, but it's not something that you put in your CV, right? About like how I got my name or how I feel about my name, because everybody has a story about their name. And I, I find that's like one of the my favorite ways to break the ice when I'm meeting someone in a professional setting to, um, so how'd you get your name? So like, even when we first met, uh, Priya, I asked you, so how can I pronounce your name? It's like, you right. know, but I, I, but from every Indian person I met, there is a beautiful story on how you get your name. Correct. Correct, correct. And I, I, I think if you uh, if I'm recalling how my name came by one, of course, the traditional name in, in Priya means love yeah. and and Shri stands for wealth. Right. And so it's something about uh, abundance in love is what I think. But I think in my case, my father also liked an actress who uh. the same name. So and I think he named me after that. So I don't know. But yeah, different ways. That's an interesting way to uh, to to connect with people. And and often forgotten, right? Because we've so Correct. much look at our designations rather than, you know, the history behind our names. Well, funny enough, you say your father named you after an actress. I was named after a character, the lead character in my grandmother's favorite soap opera. Wow. That's the name <laughs> of the soap opera, Annalisa. And that's how I got my name. Wow. It was wow. very popular in the Philippines. And that's what they decided to name me. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Interesting. I mean, and... Uh, yeah, that's a very a good facet. And I think a lot of them can take back something from this, right? To say, hey, how do you start off a conversation? And it's all people love to, I think psychology, they say, right? People, the most beautiful thing that people want to hear is their own name. And that's what psychology yeah. tells us. And if you can understand a little bit more than just the name and how it's pronounced, I think it's a deeper way to connect with people. And it's a great way to remember people's names. You remember something about them, not just factoids, because that we forget. 
Correct, correct, correct. Good one, Anna. But then tell me a little bit about this transition where you decided to be like a nomad. Uh, what, what, uh, I, I, I remember you saying that it was both a personal as well as a professional challenge that you took. Uh, am I right in that? Uh, more personal than professional because professionally, basically, I just decided I was done with banking. So, and I didn't know what I want to do next. So, okay. I wanted to take that time to explore, meet people of different with different experiences, and just see what they're doing. But I also at that time, because um, you know, I when I was in banking in Singapore, while I could travel wherever, it was always very limited. Like you have three weeks and that's it. Um, I wanted. I, I've always loved traveling. Like I've been traveling since I was two. So I wanted to see what it would be like if I could travel for an extended period and not have a schedule and not have a plan. Um, so, and there are people who are very nomadic. I'm not so sure how that applies this time in the pandemic, but I wanted to see what it was like to live that to live out of a suitcase and just you know moving from place to place. Um, personal challenge in the sense like trying to figure out if I can do it on my own, like you know go somewhere where I didn't know anybody, start something, start you know find find my tribe, um, and also just to get to know myself because. If I'm always surrounded by people I know, my friends, I won't have time to focus on myself. And um, being a nomad, I, I spend a lot more time with myself. I feel very much at ease. So in some ways, like the pandemic has brought me back to like, oh, this is kind of like when I was traveling on my own, except I'm on my own, <laughs> stuck in one place. And, you know, I go before I didn't have anyone to talk to because I couldn't speak the language. Now I didn't have to talk to because there's nobody here. <laughs> Correct. Correct, correct. Good. But then where did storytelling begin in that all this discovery about your own self? How did this begin? It started with also trying out comedy. So um, after I was done traveling on South America, I was ex exploring career options, uh, non-banking uh, in San Francisco. And I went to see a comedy show and I wasn't impressed with the female comedian. So and I, I was getting more laughs from the audience than she did. So I thought, well, that's a bar for comedy. Then I might as well just do comedy. I'm prettier and I'm funnier. And and, the, and that planted the seed in my head. And I go like, well, why not? I have time. What's stopping me from learning comedy? So I moved to New York City to go to comedy school and learn uh, some improv. And through improv, I discovered the world of storytelling where um, I think I did an improv show where we start off the show with a personal narrative about anything. Uh, and And it was love. Like it, you know, like uh, you, you know, sometimes where it feels like you're destined for it, like you get that certainty. So, the day I told my first story on stage, and I've never told this story, I've never told stories even with rehearsals. Like it's always somebody else. I was thinking, these Americans, they like to overshare. Yeah. And 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 I felt very, and and then I was there the, on stage during a live show, sharing uh, one of my stories in Colombia, and it was this feeling where I, I, I and I tell my friends like I go you might think I'm crazy but like I felt like the the skies opened up and the angels started seeing it was like um ecclesiastical if if that's the word I could choose to like what I felt in that moment like that joy that rapture I knew I was meant to be a storyteller it was it was a certainty that I've never experienced. Like I, that was like a, I was a hundred percent sure that this is what I'm going to do next. And that kind of that kind of like made me stop exploring my other options and just pursue this one head on. 
Beautiful. Now, what do you do? Uh, I know I see something about a st story slam. I see you do corporate storytelling. What is happening at the moment now with as you as a storyteller? So um, when I moved back to Singapore, uh, I was... Um, it started first, like I was just transiting and I was telling my friends what I was doing in the U.S. And my friends, one of my friends told me, why am I doing it there when I can make a bigger impact here? Like, mm -hmm. why am I working in the U.S. helping startup founders how to be better communicators using storytelling when I can make a better, bigger impact here in Asia, giving confidence to my fellow Asians, like in terms of like, you know, building, be a better communicator using storytelling, mm -hmm. getting out of your head using improv. So um, when I came back here, um, nobody knew what I was trying to do because they thought storytelling is something about fairy tales and mythology. It's not about personal narratives. And, and I was looking for a scene to tell stories, but then there's no scene either. So uh, I kept, I, I remember that that was the time I was half US, half Singapore, and I would plan my trips in the US around shows so I could kind of feel my artistic side and then do the, do some work and then come to Singapore to do some business development when my friend says like well what's stopping you from starting your own show in Singapore correct so I started what's your story slam uh, which is um, it's like if I could take the best of all the shows I've been on I've seen in the US and make it my own it was I borrowed from every so kind of like stealing like I got inspired by by different shows and I made my own blend and that's what's what's your story slam is. Um, and and when I did my first show, I asked friends who I knew had good stories to tell their stories and five bit stories. And I coached everyone and the theme was risk. And I think still looking back, I can't believe the amount of faith my friends had in me for sharing these, for doing it and agreeing to do it. Right. And also, um, uh, and and how how it all came together because for me I was risking everything because people in my personal and my professional life everybody who knew me in Singapore came to watch the show right. and so if I failed everybody would know and that was the, probably the biggest moment where I felt completely naked and, and like like people and it's and it's so scary to share something so personal something so important to you to people who know you especially when people know you as something like but you're a banker why are you doing this like who are and who are you to even go into this field where you have absolutely zero experience other than do you want to do it <laughs> and 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 it was it's an incredible journey and part of it is just trying experimenting so um and I tell my friends, like, I actually am not afraid to fail. I'm afraid to succeed because when you succeed and keep succeeding, the moment you fail, it's a lot harder. It's a lot, it's a lot more painful. Correct, correct, correct. It's very nice, Anna. So interesting. But now when, you know, in it, what they say is there is so much power in stories, right? And there's so much connections that you can build. And it's very obvious. But what prevents people from telling more stories? How, what have you discovered there? First is people, there, there are several ways. One is not knowing where to find stories. But, um, but the, big, the other one is you worry about being judged by other people, not by strangers, but by the people you know. Okay. Because you're, when you share personal stories, it's normally not just about you, but it's okay. also about your friends, okay. your family, um, things that are very meaningful for you. And it's basically you're showing all your soft, tender bits, the ones that maybe like, you know, that, 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 that scar that's just starting to heal. 
Correct. You know, that's, that's starting to grow the harder skin, but it's still there. And so that's where um, you, you, you feel more vulnerable. And I think that's one thing that people don't want to share because, like, you know, we, and, and I think the pandemic made us much more um, guarded as well. Yes. Like we're afraid to connect. Um, but the thing is, everybody's lonely, but I find people are more open to strangers than they are to people they know. Correct, correct, correct. You're right. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, how can, uh, uh, you know, this scene in the corporate storytelling or business yes. storytelling, so what are you seeing as gaps there? Because there are some people who just motivate you with their stories, but then there's a whole lot of people. It does not mean that they don't have stories. They're all like the hidden introverts or the uh, or they're, they're, they're hidden heroes, if we call them that. Yeah. Right? How do you uh, bring them to tell their stories out? So it depends. So sometimes uh, I select themes. So when I work with corporations, normally we decide on like before, like the first time I did, they go, oh, we'll, we'll do a career story. Like what, why you do what you do and why it matters because it gives everybody a sense of purpose. But then when my clients came to watch my show and they saw how open and more vulnerable the storytellers were they go we want those kinds of stories for our team we want them to be able to connect in that way it's a much more meaningful way so we chose other themes so like one of the themes we chose was the theme on lessons everybody has learned a lesson at some point in their life it, whether it's in your youth or as an adult and i and so i had them like you know they, they think about it like what are the lessons and and some people find it easier to share something that they've learned during their childhood and because it's a lesson right you've right. already gotten past it right. uh, so it's like kind of like a baby first step but right. when i've done some one-on-one -on -one session with some of these they have a lot more powerful stories underneath it but they're still afraid to share uh, because of judgment they, you know, I've worked so hard to get this far. I don't want them to see that I was once quite weak. But my point to them is, but if you don't share, there's a little girl out there who might be afraid to try because she's never heard your story. Correct. So, but I can't force people to tell their stories. But so I, I told them like, but once they're ready, I told them like, I would love to feature them or have them share their stories because, but it's it's still up to them to decide when they're ready to open up. Because uh, I've realized this is something that you cannot force people to do. They have to take that first step themselves. Sure, absolutely. And now, in a world where you know everybody is talking and nobody is listening, how do you make uh, our stories stand out so that people can listen? What is your thoughts around this? So, I think. Uh, there will always be people whose messages, um, I think, will resonate and land. Um, I think we have to create platforms for that. So, uh, like, I like I, I know there's a lot of noise out there. So, that's why I created my show as a platform. Um, I filter through people's stories. But I also create an open space for people to submit their stories to me. So, I'm not to say, like, oh, I don't like your story. But I ask people to submit. And then from there, I look at it and try to find the gems. Because sometimes what I normally get is the story they propose, Correct. the story behind that story is the real story. Correct. And so, sometimes I help them dig it. I help, help them dig it out. And I think through the noise, it's like there are people who will always gravitate towards your message. But it's also, I think it's a matter of timing. Um, when you whatever it is that you post would land uh, that, and that's kind of like what 
pushes me to continue doing what I'm doing is that um, I, if I stop creating this space, then there's no space for people to share their voices. Correct. And so I know that uh, I have like a certain group of people who do follow what I'm doing. And they said, like, as long as you keep producing, we'll keep telling stories. Correct. Okay. So it looks like you need the right um, catalyst or the right safety net for people to keep telling stories, right? So I think both catalyst is also required and yes. a safety net is also required so that people are comfortable, they feel safe and secure yes. when they start sharing stories. When it comes to personal narratives, I think creating psychological safety is very important uh, for people to want to open up and also for people to want to create bonds because it's like kind of like lowering your guard and like extending that um putting lowering down your drawbridge right Correct. across the moat to build to, to bridge the gap um, and then you're inviting somebody else to help bridge the gap with you correct correct so nice now uh i know in this uh, let's move to from the personal narratives that people can uh, that they can share and they can talk about there's all now you have us in the business world you have a lot of data and of course yes. artificial intelligence um, how can leaders story tell with data better uh, anna so like there are studies that shows like you know facts we ret memory retention for facts is normally under 30 percent but if data wrap with the story because stories structure the information it puts it in a logical structure with data is wrapped around stories the memory retention is about 70 percent so there's like some psychological studies built around that um where they gave like a case about like students when they were um watching i guess one a pitch about like you know why they should give money to this uh i think it's unicef or something like that okay. where um they gave facts like you know how many children suffered from this disease um and then they should give verse and then you know they had like this uh coin collection thing on the outside and then another group of students were shown like a story about this little girl who suffered from this disease and then at the end they go like you know how many percentage of children also suffer from it so it was wrapped in like she is one of the seven hundred thousand children who's suffering from these disease um people are more uh, remember it more and are more inclined to give after hearing a story versus just getting facts because when we get numbers and figures we don't connect with it for us it's a statistic it's kind of like in the pandemic right we get we get statistics but when it's someone we know oh you know my brother's brother got my, uh, my brother-in-law's brother got you know got covid we said it's like we feel a connection because it's somebody we know or like you know the story that oh yeah he went to the market and then uh, and then he met with somebody who had COVID and now he has COVID and he's in the hospital. Right. We 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 care more when it's somebody we know because it becomes personal, which is funny because it's versus like a statistic of seventy percent, like one person can make a bigger impact because we know their story. Correct, correct. You're right, absolutely right. So how should leaders start developing this? Um, trait of storytelling Anna, because they have a lot of data and let's say let's look at sales professionals right they'll have to talk about numbers they still have to build the relationship with their customers to actually make the numbers real how should this blend happen well Anna what's your so experience I think for my experience it's like they have to figure out like what's the case study because if you're trying to sell something 
The client also wants the narrative, right? If you're, depends on what you're selling, they need to be able to picture it and envision it. Uh, if you're buying a house, you need to give a story of the future that they could have or the history of the house. Either it's the story of a house, if it's an old house, or if it's a brand new development, the future that they would have. This is where you and your husband will be, your children, where you're going to go study, and then the schools will be just around the corner. They need to buy that story in order for them to want to buy that property right. because at the end it's a story it's like kind of like when they're like lipsticks um makeup companies they sell you the promise of beauty correct it's a lipstick but they sell you the promise if you wear this lipstick you will get the attention of so and so you will light up the room everybody will look at you they sell the story correct true True, true. Very nice, Anna. But what are the types of story uh, uh, that that creates the maximum impact for building re deeper relationships, Anna? So is it, uh, uh, there, there must be different types of stories, right? Obviously, we discussed personal narratives, there are business stories, there are data related stories that you can connect to build. So what, how should, uh, you know, what uh, we create stories to create that maximum impact? I think for us, it's it's something like that has to have a humanizing element to it. That those I think are the kind of stories we want to tell. Like even like um, when we watch cartoons, right? Sometimes it's the stories about cars. But the only thing that draws us attention is when the cars have human-like qualities about them, yeah. um, and 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 we could relate to them. And I think the stories that we will eventually connect to, if we want to connect to our customers or to our listeners, is stories that they can identify with. Correct. Because um, so like when you're in sales, you need to know the persona you're selling to. Who are they? What do they care about? Correct. What would make them connect with you? Those are the stories you tell. Correct. Correct. True. I mean, uh, Anna, with so much in the space of storytelling that you've been with, what's the story that has created the maximum impact for you? Um, so I think a lot of people are drawn into my career story when I talk about like, um, like 10 years ago, I had like the, I had the life that every, you know, like that was like what success looks like, you know, going to the right school, um, getting this job, you know, this international job, everybody wanted that life, right? That was the measure of success. And then realizing that it's what exactly are you working for when you're working that, but you're not really living life. A lot of people, I think one of my posts, I think that I got a lot of people messaging me was when I talked about that, where I said like how my values have changed the moment I quit banking, I moved into storytelling. I measure my success in a different way. It's not about how much money I have, but in terms of like my friends or like my parents, even my relationship, my parents have also changed because they were proud of me, not because of my successes that you know that's qualified but in terms of my happiness because sure. even my conversations with my parents is my parents are like, yeah sometimes business is tough but at least you get to do what but you get to do what you love correct instead of you're making so much money but then you're miserable which i see so many people i actually a lot of people who reach out to me are the ones who feel very disengaged with work but then they're so afraid to leave because it's, you know, it's the devil, you know, right? And especially right now, the pandemic is so much unknown. Um, but I find that as an entrepreneur and a storyteller, improviser, being 
not knowing what's up happiness has made me rely on myself better, which for me, I feel like as a risk, I was able to mitigate my risk better because if anything else, I know I can always count on myself. Not so sure if I can, can count on like if I was working as a salaried employee, I'm so dependent on the company, right. if I can really count on that. Correct, correct, correct. Good. I mean, Anna, now that you know, you have you had the courage to talk about it and you have the courage to bring out your own story. But there'll be a lot of people who, as we all know, there are so many people who are shy and who are introverts. How did, how should they start storytelling? Where would you suggest for people like that to begin? So um, I actually created like these question cards. So sometimes you talk, you can tell a story to yourself like through your journal or just asking yourself questions, um, hypothetical question. Uh, one of my, one of the questions that made me change the course of my life was when, if you, if you knew ahead of time, you're going to die suddenly, just suddenly within one year, would you change anything in the way you're living right now? Mm-hmm. And at that time I was in banking and I'm like, hell yeah, I was going to, I was, I was not, I don't want to be in this path. And that was when I realized, like, I really don't want to be in this path. If I really only have one year to live, I don't want to be doing this. And that was when I started in terms of being a nomad was my deal to myself was live this year as if it was your last. What would you do? Correct. 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 A good, I mean, it, it helps you to think deeper when there is an adversity in, in in front of you, right? So that's when most human beings, we try to make some changes. Yes. But how could, you know, people do it as a, as a natural course of life? I mean, only when you had that question, right? You, you, you wanted to, otherwise it would have been another day sitting in the bank. Yes. So it's how, sh- how should people... Um, think about the shift earlier before an adversity strikes. I find that these things, there are people who are more inclined to explore themselves, but there are a lot of people who don't want to. Even I myself hated this self-analysis, self-reflection. I didn't want to do that for a lot of years. Uh, It was only when I was, and even as a nomad, when I, my first year, I did not want to do introspection or understand myself because it's tough. Correct. Correct. And it was only when I realized, like, okay, I've been traveling for a year and I still don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm feeling a little lost that I really needed to, you, you, you have, it's, you have to sometimes force yourself. There wasn't really anything that was pushing me. I could still continue being nomad, but I just like, you really kind of figure out what you want because they like, kind of like you're getting bored too. Correct. Correct. But I think it has to be a self, something we self-start and not everybody wants to do that. True, true. You're right. I think it has to come from personal choice, right? It can't just come out of a book or it can't come out of... You can't can't force people. And I find here a lot of my friends sometimes hate being alone with me one-on-one because I ask these questions. (laughs) Correct, correct. how can people use storytelling to discover their larger purpose, uh, Anna? So when it's so, I think people don't like. We always tell stories, but we don't really tell story. We don't really. So the stories people tell on my stages are much more intentional. They have to prepare for it. Okay. Uh, when we play player stories on the fly, we don't really have chance to explore ourselves. Okay. But when you're preparing a story to tell for the stage. 
you have to keep going back to that time. You have to kind of dig through your memory bank and all these other stories come out. And even my student says like, yeah, when I started working on this story, I started thinking about what was going on when I was younger and all these other memories that I totally forgot just started coming out and they start connecting with themselves. But it's only when you're very intentional about working on a story does this happen. Not necessarily for the stage. If you say you want to write a memoir, you can also do that that also happens, but it's only you have to really take time to reflect when this all comes out. Otherwise, they stay buried. So I suggest like, oh, well, you know, I would say like, yeah, take my course because I force you to do it or pitch a story for my stage because you'll be forced to do it. You'll be forcing yourself to do it too. Good, good, good. Good, Anna. So the, it, as I, uh, what I'm, what I'm understanding is that it needs intentional practice, right? And yeah. you, an intentional reflection, not something that goes, uh, because when you do reflection without a certain outcome in mind, then it, you're, you're, you're pretty much all over the place. Over the place, yes. Yes. So good, Anna. So this, uh, this is this is very useful. I think it's it's a it's a good spend of thirty minutes, I should say, where you started your journey as a nomad, as a banker, nomad for a period of time, and discovered this. And I also think that there were some good takeaways that I had. One is about uh, becoming intentional. The second is about uh, having a safety net to practice stories, and then the some of the other things that I that I'm taking away are also around. Uh, connecting to people and their experiences through your storytelling right so that's what i'm able to uh, get but but this has been a good spend of our time anna i want to yeah. say thank you very much and oh, and you. i look forward to coming to your show on october 7th which i i i, yes. I, 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 I made a booking for <laughs> yes i saw that one yeah i'm looking forward for you to hear the stories of all my students um they've been working on their stories for six weeks Wonderful, wonderful. I should say thank you very much, Anna, and all the very best wishes to you. Okay, thank you for having me.